A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Hero can be anyone, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. Hey, Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day. On the gig then. Remember, you wanted this. Welcome to Screen Perspectives, a podcast produced by the Pittsburgh Film Office to share how people build successful careers in the screen industry, be it film, TV, streaming, etc. Screen Perspectives was born out of many conversations with industry professionals, sometimes over dinner, sometimes over drinks, and a lot of times driving around looking at the wonderful diversity of locations in southwestern Pennsylvania. Thousands of people make their living in the screen industry, which nationally tops $28 billion a year. Locally, the screen industry is responsible for over $150 million in new money to southwestern Pennsylvania's economy. There is really no direct pathway to success in this industry. It's a lot of hard work, networking, and you have to sprinkle in a little bit of luck to be successful. The Pittsburgh Film Office is excited to share these amazing individual stories with you so you can learn how they did it and determine your best path forward. Screen Perspectives is hosted by me, Don Kieser, director of the Pittsburgh Film Office, and the incredible Kevin Smith, screenwriter extraordinaire, screenwriting instructor, and driving force of the broadcast program at the University of Pittsburgh. Produced by Max Glider, Isaiah Stewart, and Jennifer Booker, our first guest for our first podcast is the immensely talented Russ Steiner, producer, actor, writer, and friend to the Pittsburgh Film Office and the Pittsburgh film industry. It's fitting that Russ is the first guest for Screen Perspectives, as he is arguably the one who started it all here in the region. Russ is most well-known for creating Night of the Living Dead back in 1968, along with his friend George Romero and John Russo. This was in 1968 and is arguably the movie that started the commercial film business that we know and enjoy today in the Pittsburgh region. Russ is also the founder of the Pittsburgh Film Office, currently serves as the chairman of our Board of Trustees, and we're thrilled he's here to share his story with us and you today. We're thrilled you're here. Thank you for joining us. Well, it's called the film business for a reason, right? And it's always about the money, and we understand that. Russ, let me ask you on the uh, Night of the Living Dead, when did you, George, and John realize, oh my gosh, this thing's become incredibly popular and famous? When was that moment, and and what did what triggered that? Well, it- as you know, have, having seen the film, uh, uh, one of our casting decisions was quite controversial at the time. Uh, the man who played the lead mm-hmm. was an African-American. And that was something that was not really very popular at the time. Uh, but Dwayne Jones, who, by the way, was original. We didn't know him. He grew up in Duquesne, Pennsylvania, over near Kennywood Park. Uh, And he went to the University of Pittsburgh. He moved off and he went to, uh, to New York. And he was making his living as an actor and a teacher, uh, a, a a drama teacher in New York. And a mutual friend of ours, Betty Ellen Hawhey, said, hey, my friends in Pittsburgh are making a movie. Uh, 
would you be interested in auditioning for it? And uh, Easter weekend, when Dwayne came back to visit his family in Duquesne, uh, we auditioned him. And as soon as we saw him, that he had to be our Ben. He was the best person who auditioned for it. And that was it. The, the decision was made that Easter weekend, and we never backed off of that at all. Dwayne, Dwayne had some concerns about, uh, well, his character uh, being holed up in a farmhouse with a group of white people, and for a while holed up in a farmhouse with a white woman, who at one point she slaps him and he slaps her right back. Uh, Dwayne had more concerns about that than we did. We knew that there were parts of this country where Night of the Living Dead would probably never play theatrically. Uh, but that's their problem, not ours, is frankly the way we looked at that. Uh, and it turned out that one of the key ingredients toward the success of Night of the Living Dead was Dwayne Jones. Uh, not only his performance, but the kind of uh, the kind of person he was. Uh, so we never, for one second, regretted uh, the decision that was made to hire. That's Dwayne exciting. Uh, <laughs> instead of uh, in the Deep South ghouls coming after him, it'd been a bunch of people in some white hoods coming. <laughs> if he's holed up in a farmhouse, right? <laughs> was that was that Judith O'Day he slapped? Right? Yeah. Yeah, that was that Judith, was Judith O'Day. Right? O'Day. Yeah, okay, yep. so. Yes, indeed. Yep. My sister, my sister Barbara, this friend who eventually in, uh, introduced us to uh, Dwayne Jones, uh, and Bill Heinzman. We were we were doing a, a, a still photographs for a book of uh, holiday flower arrangements uh, for Jewish holidays. I mean, we would we did. Anything we had to yeah, that's grocery, a niche. That's gro- a niche. groceries on the table, <laughs> <laughs> and and Bill Heinzman, who played Zombie Number, who eventually played <laughs> Zombie Number One in Night of the Living Dead, yeah. he was the still photographer that George and I. He was a freelancer that George and I hired to take these photographs of flower arrangements. He comes in one morning and he's got something wrapped up in an uh, in a towel. Is what what's in the towel, and uh, it's an owl, a barn owl, that on his way to work, this bird, this owl was flapping along the the uh, side of the road. He stopped and picked it up. It had a broken wing. So to our menagerie, we added, we've got a, <laughs> we've got a, a cat, a cat by the name of Fellini. Of course, uh, a, a monkey who had no name other than monkey, <laughs> and, and and an owl in our place of business. <laughs> the cat was on high alert all the time between between the monkey and the owl. The the, the cat probably went through seven of its uh, nine lives just in our little three room storefront. I have to ask you this. So now you see The Walking Dead and you see all these shows that bottom, the bottom line is they literally were spawned. I'm using that term because we're talking ghouls and zombies. Yeah. Uh, they're spawned from 
what came out of the original Night of the Living Dead? What's your, when you see those shows, what do you think? Uh, I think it's flattering. A good friend of ours, uh, Greg Nicotero, who is from Pittsburgh, by the way, uh, was one of the leading forces uh, behind, uh, <laughs> uh, was one of the, the, the leading forces behind uh, uh, yeah. Walking He was, Dead. and I think it would be really wonderful for a lot of these people who were spawned from Pittsburgh, using your word, that would uh, come back and recognize where they got their start. Yeah, well, how can you not? I and mean, pay the respect due to the people who set them on their career path. Russ and Judith appear sometimes together at the different conventions where their autograph signs. Yes. You got to tell me about this. This this, this coming year, uh, well, uh, conventions are very popular. Probably the largest one that everyone knows about is the yes. San Diego Comic Con, which is hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, it's just uh, it's impossible, uh, impossibly big to smaller ones around the country, smaller ones, uh, but by smaller ones, I mean 8,000 horror fans will show up on a weekend in, in New, New Jersey. Jersey. See? They're all in New Jersey. Uh, and, there you go. It's Jersey. And here in Pittsburgh as well. There's, uh, there's one coming up uh, uh, sometime in the spring called Steel City oh, yeah. Con. And that that is uh, every year uh, they do three shows a year in Pittsburgh of all places, and the place is packed. But this year, uh, because of the fifty fifth anniversary, uh, the people uh, who are involved in these conventions were doing a, uh, a reunion tour, so to speak. Uh, myself, Judith O'Day, uh, Kyra Schoen, who is the little girl in the basement, obviously no longer a little girl, uh, uh, Judith Ridley, and John Russo. So we're uh, going to be around signing autographs and uh, hopefully... <laughs> Uh, COVID won't catch up with us. But. Thank you. Yeah, that's a lot of photos you'll be taking. And do people, have you found that people make pilgrimages to Evan City? Okay. <laughs> and f try to look for the cemetery uh, and the whole work. Like, the do they, farmhouse. Yeah, the farmhouse, for the farmhouse uh, yeah. that doesn't exist. But the cemetery, tell them about what, what Gary was able to do out there in the cemetery and what, what you guys all made happen. My brother Gary still lives in Evan City. And he is the uh, one of the three directors of Image 10. Image 10 is the company that owns Night of the Living Dead. Uh, he, several years ago, it's probably been about 15 years ago now, uh, when Judith and I first pull up in our car, Your mother's car. in the back, in, in my mother's car, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, we, uh, it's a good part it, of the story. It was, it was indeed my mother's car. Uh, when we pull up in the cemetery, Judith and I, there's a building in the background which is still there. And about 15 years ago, my brother Gary uh, started a GoFundMe project uh, to restore that iconic building. And so now when fans come there, they can see not only the restored building, but they can find the actual gravestones and so forth where the filming was done 
And it has become uh, movie locations in general are very popular. The Evans City Cemetery is off the charts. Literally, people come from around the world to visit that cemetery. I can only imagine. I mean, when you think about the, uh, so many of these like legendary homes, like uh, A Christmas Story in the house in Ohio for something like that, when right. it comes to specific locations for this genre, I can't think of something that's actually more like bigger than that cemetery and well, the farmhouse being gone for night of the living dead. Like I really can't think of anything else. So that's an, that, this, that, that stood the test of time also, which is unbelievable. The thing that's always been interesting to me, Russ, is the fact that when you meet people, you're still meeting people who've just seen it for, for the, the first time. time. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. bet you if you did probably, uh, uh, sometimes we're invited to speak on college campuses and that kind of thing. And one of the things that I do uh, historically is how many people are seeing this movie for the first time. And about a quarter of the audience will put their hands up that they're seeing it for the first time. Now, how does that manifest itself? Well, uh, the audience for the, the living audience for Night of the Living Dead goes everywhere from grandparents to uh, teenagers. And that's that's not an exaggeration. It has literally taken on a life of its own. This is what started commercial filmmaking in southwestern Pennsylvania. It's why Night of the Living, Night of the Living Dead started it. It's why Silence of the Lambs was here in 1990. And why Mayor of Kingstown, our most recent TV series that's on air right now, um, came here. But internationally, talk a little bit about that. You've been all over the world with people who've seen Night of the Living Dead. There's people. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, uh, uh, in Japan, for example, last September, they, in Japan, nationally, they did a re-release, a theatrical re-release of Night of the Living Dead with, with all new graphics, all new everything, except the film itself is the film itself. Uh, and that's unheard of. I mean, uh, yeah, major, major releases like Gone with the Wind and so forth will occasionally get a limited theatrical release. But in Japan and now Germany and Italy are planning the same kind of uh, thing uh, to to get a national re-release of a 55-year-old movie is uh unheard of. It's amazing. Um, and then who did the musical? Was that in Germany or was that in England? Uh, that started in Canada. Uh, well, it wasn't actually a musical. Well, there is a musical version, uh, but the one that w is authorized is uh, one that George and John Russo and I authorized a group in Toronto to do. And and that one has been, uh, that, that one has been done in Canada, in England, and a couple of other places as well, as a, as a stage production. Hey, Russ, what's the strangest request you ever received based on Night of Living Dead? Oh, great question. Do you want me to tell you the honest to God's truth? You can even, cur <laughs> you can even curse in this one. <laughs> At three different conventions over the years, women have asked me to sign their breast. 
See, I, I thought you were going to go. Here's where he doesn't finish the story. I want to know how. <laughs> I want to know if he did. Oh, wait, wait, where are you jumping the gun did. for? Of course he did. I, I know he did. Of course. I, yeah. But, but, <laughs> but th those are the, that, that was, that, those were the, the, the strangest examples of uh, uh, Russ Dreiner, Johnny, Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> It's it's hard in some women. It's hard to get on one breast, you know. Especially if especially if they want me to sign, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Some of the some of the other strange requests. So uh, George Romero, when he was alive, uh, had had people sign. Had George sign his signature. Which they then turned into a tattoo, and well, there's, I think that's th what those women were th doing with your signature too. I don't know. Uh, maybe that that could <laughs> that could have well, happened. Once they as took well. a shower, I realize it's permanent marker. But come on, I'm coming up with Dawn's Christmas gift this I'm coming telling year. You, all right, there you go. I really thought you were going to go with the dolls. Uh, the dolls, uh, I found that to be pretty flattering. I, it's very oh, flattering, I, but talk I, about I, the dolls. There's dolls. A, There's a doll of Johnny. There's a, these no. uh, women in uh, Michigan um, have Michigan. made all of the all of the cast members have reduced them to uh, uh, dolls, uh, about 12-inch uh, size dolls. <laughs> And Johnny is repeat with uh, glasses, his tie, uh, the whole works. Mm -hmm. um, um, the other thing that's a little bit strange is the cosplayers who, uh, you know, they'll dress up like uh, Star Wars stormtroopers mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. There is a guy in England who looks more like Johnny than I do. He, <laughs> he has he has perfected Johnny down to his tie, to the driving gloves, to and and meeting him. I've had many many photographs and some videos taken of the two of us together. Uh, that probably makes it, you know we should have like kind of like a little gang thing between uh, Night of the Living Dead like wannabes and Rocky Horror Picture Show folk. But that would be phenomenal. That, that would be fun. Wouldn't you know, it be fun? We make we we make a lot of jokes about it, but uh, I have to say, when was the last time you saw a Gone with the Wind T-shirt? You're right. It's been a long time. I don't think I've ever. I mean, that's iconic films, mm -hmm. and here's this uh, uh, small little production from Pittsburgh that is still going 55 years after the fact. But I don't think we can let him go without him saying his famous line. Because yes. I think I think we have to have it. Otherwise, it's just, it's not worth Are it. Are you talking about the coming to get you, Barbara? <laughs> so perfect that without was, any notice. I, so I, thank you. I am, his comedic timing's unbelievable stuff. I, I'm telling you. It's perfect. He's perfect. He's perfect. Honest to gosh. Thank you so much, Russ. It's been such a pleasure. You've been listening to episode two of Scream Perspectives. Scream Perspectives is hosted by Don Keezer and Kevin Smith. Produced and engineered by Max Glider, Isaiah Stewart, and Jennifer Booker. Music by Isaiah Stewart. Special thanks to today's guest, Russ Streiner, the Pittsburgh Film Office, and to the University of Pittsburgh. 
Screen Perspectives is a production of the Pittsburgh Film Office.